All right, we're in part two of Another in the Fire. Way to go coming to church today. Way to go, those of you watching online. What do you guys say we start with a game? Anyone want to play a game? The game is called, What Do These Guys Have in Common? All right, we've got James Bond. We've got Harry Potter. We've got Danny Glover. And we've got three of our amazing staff members here. Our creative arts pastor, our missions pastor, our digital pastor. They all have something in common. Does anyone know what it is? They're all named Daniel. That's right, Daniel Craig, Daniel Radcliffe, three of our own favorite Daniels. These are six of the millions of people alive today who are named after a real person in history who we're studying in the book of Daniel. It's written after a real person, true story, and the other main character in this story is also a very well-documented person named Nebuchadnezzar. Here's an ancient inscription of Nebuchadnezzar, one of the most documented kings of the ancient world. This all took place about 600 years before Jesus was born. Nebuchadnezzar ruled one of the largest world empires in history. In fact, today you can go to museums in Berlin, in London, at the Smithsonian, and you can find artifacts from Babylon, the city where this entire story takes place. Here's an artist's rendering of what Babylon looked like under Nebuchadnezzar's reign. The famous hanging gardens are one of the wonders of the ancient world. And this is where Daniel, when he was 14, living in Jerusalem, Nebuchadnezzar defeated his nation, dragged him away as a captive of war, deported him, took him to Babylon to train to be one of the king's advisors. And this week, we're asking this question. We're going to find Daniel in an impossible situation. He's in a situation where he knows God is with him and for him, but things are not going the way he would like. And he's going to find himself asking, what can you do when life is impossible? I don't know right now where your life may be impossible. Daniel's going to be in a situation that's impossible where he's literally minutes away from being killed. Not only is it an impossible situation, but it's impossibly unfair. Daniel didn't even do anything to be in a position where he's about to be executed. It's completely unfair. All of us in life will have impossible situations. We'll have impossibly unfair situations. And in the book of Daniel, we're learning that when you find yourself going through hard times, it doesn't mean that God has abandoned you. It doesn't mean that you can't trust God. Daniel didn't want to be ripped away from his home at age 14. He didn't want to be separated from his family. He didn't want to have to go learn a new language and wear a different style of clothes. But all those difficult things happening, it didn't mean that God wasn't in control. It didn't mean that God didn't have a plan. And we're learning from Daniel how to keep seeking God when life is hard. You've got two choices when life is hard. You either turn toward God with your pain or you turn away from him because of your pain. And I want to say I'm proud of you. The fact that you're here or you're watching means you're turning toward him. Daniel kept turning toward God even when life was difficult. And we're going to see God do some miracles. I don't know what you do when life's not fair. I've got three elementary aged kids and this last week, one of them thought that life wasn't fair. This is not uncommon, right? If you've got kids or grandkids, two of the most common things you hear are, are we there yet? And that's not fair. 
right? Just wired into human DNA that things need to be just. And one of my three felt like life wasn't fair and actually created this little chorus. That's not fair. That's not fair. It just kept going and going. And I finally encouraged her, you can keep singing that up in your bedroom because life's not fair sometimes. But we're going to see Daniel in a situation that's totally impossible. It's totally not fair. And he doesn't panic. He doesn't lose it. He doesn't even start to sing, that's not fair. Let's see what he does do here in Daniel chapter 2, starting in verse 1. On the night, one night during the second year of his reign, Nebuchadnezzar, by the way, lots of Daniels, you don't meet a lot of babies named Nebuchadnezzar, do you? Poor Nebuchadnezzar. He had his day, though. He had his day. He had such disturbing dreams that he couldn't sleep. So he called his magicians, enchanters, the sorcerers, and astrologers. These are the most educated, smartest people in this world empire. And he demanded that they not only tell him what the dream means, but actually, you guys tell me what I dreamed. Now, I don't know. Raise a hand. Do any of you have someone in your family who has just like really vivid dreams? I, I do. I'm married to one. So Mel, it's pretty normal almost every morning um, that I wake up to her telling me about her dream from the night before. And they're always very vivid dreams and she's always really into it. And here's a little secret, Mel knows this, but I only listen because I love her. <laughs> right, I'm like, it's a dream. It, it means, it, it didn't really mean anything, right? Here's Nebuchadnezzar, he's got this gene with the weird dream gene. But he goes to all his advisors and he's like, hey guys, I need you to interpret my dream. Little catch, I'm not going to tell you what it is. You have to tell me what the dream is. So they respond in kind of a normal response. Verse 4, they say, long live the king. I mean, we love you, man. We're all for you. Just tell us what the dream was and we'd be really happy to give you an interpretation. Well, the king responds, verse 5, he says, I'm serious about this. If you don't tell me what my dream was and what it means, I'm going to tear you limb from limb. Don't ever let anyone tell you that the Bible is boring, okay? The king's like, I, I'm going to rip off each of your arms. I'm going to rip off each of your legs. And then I'm going to turn your house into a heap of rubble. Now, very interesting. That word rubble is actually the word for animal excrement. It's okay to laugh. Okay, the Bible's interesting. Nebuchadnezzar says, tell me what I dreamed, and if you don't, I'm going to tear off all your limbs, and I'm going to fill your house with animal excrement, right? This is not a fair situation. They say, verse 7, please, your majesty, tell us the dream. Just tell us what it was, and we'd be happy to tell you what it means. Verse 9, he holds his ground. He says, if you don't tell me the dream, you're doomed. Everything I already described, I'm going to do that unless you tell me what I dreamed. Verse 10, the astrologers replied to the king, no one on earth can do what you're asking. We're in an impossible situation. This is an impossible request. In fact, they say, uh, the king, your demand, it's impossible. It's not that we don't want to help you. There's no way we could help you. Well, verse 12, Nebuchadnezzar the fairly impulsive, egotistical king becomes furious at this. And he orders that all the wise men of Babylon be executed. Now, all the wise men of Babylon are not part of this story. It's just a handful of them. 
So a bunch of these guys are gonna get executed simply because of their job title. They did nothing wrong, and Daniel's one of them. Because of the king's decree, men, mercenaries, were sent to find and kill Daniel and his friends. So let's return to your life. What can you do when life is impossible or impossibly unfair? Here's Daniel. He can hear the soldiers on their way. The swords are sharpened. They're coming to kill him. It's a little bit of an impossible situation. It's definitely impossibly unfair. And I don't know what you're going through today, and I definitely don't want to make light of whatever you're going through that is impossible or impossibly unfair, but I'm guessing you're not two minutes away from death like Daniel was. And we're going to learn from Daniel exactly what we can do in our impossible situations. And here's the very simple big idea that we get from Daniel too. It's something that you can apply today. When you can't, God can. Daniel's in a situation where he can't save his life. He can't stop these mercenaries. He can't give the king what he wants, but he knows someone who can, the God of heaven. And in your life, when you find yourself, it's like, I'm trying to find a godly spouse, but I just can't, guess what, God can. You say, I wanna make this marriage work, but I just can't change my spouse's heart. God can. You say, I, I really wanna get out of debt, but it seems like the harder I try to get out of debt, the more I get into debt. Maybe you can't do it, but guess what? God can do it. I don't know what impossible thing you're facing today, but we're gonna learn how to live like Daniel and experience a God who can, even in our most impossible situations. Let me give you a visual of this. This is a play set that I set up in my backyard when we lived in Arizona when my kids were little. So shortly after I walked away from my journalism career, started pastoring a church of 40 people. And as you can imagine with 40 people, funds were tight. And so I was in a phase of life like most kids out of college are or college age kids where it's the free stuff phase of life, right? Like just free stuff, free stuff, I'm in, I'm in. So a family in the church said, hey, we've got this old place that our kids have outgrown it. Do you guys want it? I'm like, three, I'm in, I'm there. So I go over to their house to pick it up and there's these two wooden platforms, two levels. And what had happened is over time, these two by six pieces of wood had deteriorated and they had replaced the wood with this kind of plastic vinyl composite weatherproof stuff that's actually really durable, it's great material. The problem is it's super heavy. So the entire platform was all of this composite stuff that was screwed together. And I get there, I'm like, okay, I'm just gonna pick this platform up. I'm just gonna kind of move it over to the trailer to take it to my house. And I get my fingers under it and it's like, I could not lift that platform even like a few inches off the ground. It was just impossible for me. It was way, way too heavy for me. And so I had this friend at the time, I called him Mr. Clean. You guys know Mr. Clean? This is what my buddy Doug looked like. He looked exactly like this police officer in Arizona. I called up Doug and I said, hey, Doug, I've got a job. It's definitely a two-person job if you're one of the people. <laughs> so Doug shows up and I'm thinking like, okay, Doug's really gonna need my help on this. I mean, I can't even budge this thing. I look away for a second and Doug's like, whoop, boop -a -doop -a -doo. He just starts wheeling it like it's a tire or something. I'm like, what in the world? How did you do that? Here's the thing. I mean, you guys can see I'm scrawny. I was even scrawnier then. 
There's lots of times I run into situations that are physically impossible for me. And the thing with that situation was like, it's not like if I had just like squatted a little bit harder and thought like, I'm, I'm going to think positive thoughts. If I, if I dream it, it can happen, right? I'm just going to speak some self-affirmations. And no, there was no way. Like it was impossible physically for the body that God has entrusted to me. There was no way that I was going to lift that thing up. But for Mr. Clean, it was not a problem at all. And God brought you here today to encourage you that in your life, when you're facing something that is that impossible, you're just like, I'm giving it everything I have, but I, I can't solve the problem or I can't pay the bill or I can't figure out which door to go through. Or I can't fix the relationship. That's okay that you can't because you know someone who can. And we're learning in the book of Daniel that God is all powerful, but he's also deeply personal and he cares about what you're going through. He knew how hard it was for Daniel. He knows how hard it is for you. He cares about what you're going through. I wonder, where do you need Mr. Clean kind of help in your life? And let's look at Daniel to answer the question, how do we experience God like this? The story continues in verse 14. When Arioch, the commander of the king's guard, came to kill them. Talk about understatement, right? This guy's got his sword, the blade is sharpened, it's designed for slicing arteries and ending lives, and he's there with his whole company, and they approach Daniel, and Daniel handles the situation with wisdom and discretion or tactfulness. I mean, wow, right? Most of us would have been like, ah, <laughs> running or, or you know, begging, Daniel somehow has this like calm and this stability. It comes from his view of God. By the way, in your small groups and in your life application study Bible this week, you can go way deeper on those two words, wisdom and tactfulness. These sharpened blades are out. Verse 15, Daniel asks Arioch, by the way, he knows him by name. Why does he know him by name? Because in God's plan for Daniel's life, he had to go through three years of training in Babylon that he never wanted to do. But he surrendered to God in that. And God made him go through something he didn't want to go through. And as a result, he knows the name of the guy who's about to kill him. And so he's able to say, hey, Ariak, wait. And Ariak does wait. And Daniel asks him, why has the king issued such a harsh decree? So Arioch tells him what has happened. And I just want to pause here to say, as the Spirit of God's leading me to say, some of you, you're going through something right now that you don't want to be going through. And the reason is so that you'll know Arioch's name, okay? I, I don't know who that's for, but that is, that is the way God works. You're like, I don't want to go through this. I don't want to have this experience. Guess what? Three years from now, you're going to know Arioch's name. You're going to be in a situation where God can intervene and you'll have wisdom in the moment, and it's only because of the hard thing that you're going through. And this is what Daniel does over and over again. His life following God wasn't easy, but he continues to trust God. So Arioch explains what happened. And then Daniel, at once, I mean, you talk about assertive. Look at verse 16. He makes a beeline straight to the king. This impulsive, egotistical, on a killing spree king. And Daniel gets to Nebuchadnezzar and he more or less says, hey, king, um, I'm here to serve you. I want to give you what you want, but I'm not going to be able to help you if I'm dead. 
would you just give us a little bit more time? And with wisdom and tactfulness, Daniel convinces King Nebuchadnezzar to give them a little more time. Let me say here uh, a quote that my grandpa used to say. He would say, work like it all depends on you, pray like it all depends on God. It's a great quote. Because I've found in my life and as I hang out with other Christians and followers of Jesus that we tend to be one of two extremes, right? There's the pray like it all depends on God person. They're like, you know, it's raining outside. I left the windows down on my car and um, I could grab the keys and go put it up, but instead I'm just gonna pray about it. Like, God, would you, would you please keep the interior of my car dry? Could God do that? Yes. But how does God really feel about it? He's like, dude, get your keys, go put your windows up, right? You're, you're perfectly capable. And then there's other people who are like, oh, we're good at jumping into the situation. We've got common sense. We're assertive. We're going to fix it on our own. But we forget to pray. We forget to ask God, God, unless you show up, it's not, it's not going to happen. And there's this perfect balance in the middle where you work like it all depends on you. When you find yourself stuck, you acknowledge God is going to use my relationships, my resources, my history. God has equipped me for this situation. So I am going to work like it all depends on me, but I'm going to pray like it all depends on God. You know, some things God doesn't do for us, like he doesn't put our pants on for us in the morning, but I see you guys all did that on your own. Way to go. Okay. <laughs> There's things he doesn't do for us, but the things we can't do, he is eager to do for us. But it is work like it all depends on you. Pray like it all depends on God. Daniel does this. He, he's assertive. He goes to the king. And now look at his next step. It is to pray. He gets his buddies together. Verse 17, he tells them what has happened. And then verse 18, what are they going to do? Are they going to all sit around and talk about it? No, they're going to talk to the God of heaven about it. He urges them. Let's ask the God of heaven to show us mercy. Let's ask God very specifically, God, here's what we need. We need you to reveal this secret dream. God, here's why we need this. Would you do this so that we don't get executed? We believe you've brought us to Babylon to serve you for a reason. And God, would you also show your power and save the lives of everyone else who has our job description? They prayed with urgency. I want to challenge you where you feel stuck in your life, where you're in an impossible situation, work like it all depends on you. If it's a medical thing, find the best doctors you can. If it's a relationship thing, find the best counselors you can. If it's getting out of debt, sign up for our Financial Peace University here. There are resources. Do everything you can, but pray with this kind of urgency that says, God, I'm going to do everything I can, but only you could give a breakthrough. Only you could really do this. Do you know we do this every weekend here when you gather here? I mean, the six days leading up to these weekend services, the team here works really hard. We work as if it all depended on us, but every weekend we gather backstage and we pray before these services. And one of my favorite things to pray is a, a verse from the book of Psalms. It says this, unless the Lord builds the house, then all the workers labor in vain. We could show up and have all the lights on and everything be perfect. If God doesn't show up, lives aren't gonna transform. If God doesn't show up, blind eyes won't be opened. 
If God doesn't show up, souls won't be saved. And so every week we work like it all depends on us. And then we pray saying, God, only you can bring people to salvation. Only you can grow believers deeper in their faith. God, we are desperately dependent on you. And some of you right now, you're at an impossible blockade in your life. And it's a chance for you to learn like Daniel, hey, I am gonna work like it all depends on me, but I'm gonna pray like it all depends on God. And I'm gonna trust God that within that balance, he has a plan for me. Well, sometimes God answers these urgent prayers 10 days later, like we learned last week. In a couple weeks, we'll see a prayer that gets answered 70 years later. Now in this life or death instance, God answers this prayer right away. Verse 19, that night, the secret was revealed to Daniel in a vision. So God answers it almost right away. Just something from my personal life I want to share with you guys as we're going through the book of Daniel. I'm finding myself praying a lot more short, simple prayers throughout the day of just saying, God, what do I do with this decision? God, would you open this door? God, would you close the door if it's not from you? And because God is reminding me that he is so big and so in control of everything, it's reminding me to go to him more frequently. And if you've never had something that you've prayed about and you got an answer that night or the next day, then I'd suggest you could be praying about a lot more things. Maybe if you're like, well, that's good for Daniel, but I once prayed about one thing and it didn't happen that night. Well, sometimes it's 70 years. But the more things you pray about, the more likely you are to see some more immediate answers. And I love this. After God reveals the secret, here's what Nebuchadnezzar wants. It's going to save Daniel's life and the life of all his peers. He doesn't run straight to Nebuchadnezzar. Why doesn't he do that? Because he knows someone who's bigger than Nebuchadnezzar. So before he goes with the solution to the problem, he wants to take some time to praise the God of heaven. God of heaven, I asked you to do something only you could do, and you did it. And I'm just gonna stop and I'm gonna praise you. Look at verse 20. He says, praise the name of God forever and ever. He has all wisdom why is, that, why is that an important word here? Because wisdom is what was lacking. Nebuchadnezzar didn't have wisdom. The smartest people in the world couldn't solve the problem, but God could. In our lifetime, we will see the world wrestle with problems that the smartest people in the world can't solve. And guess what? God can. He has the wisdom. God, not only do you have all the wisdom that's needed, you also have all the power. Nebuchadnezzar thinks he's so powerful, but I just happen to know that you're more powerful than him. So before I run to him with the answer, I'm going to give you praise, and I'm going to remind myself that where I lack, God has more than enough. And where people around me act like they're the biggest thing in the room, I know someone who's bigger. Daniel continues this praise. He says, God, you control the course of world events. Just think about that. God controls the course of world events. Now we know from scripture, God's not the author of evil. There are evil people who do evil things. There are evil forces like sickness and death that came about because of Satan and because of sin. But God is able to turn and orchestrate even the bad things for good. He directs the course of world events. I was thinking about this verse for you and for us as a movement and things we'll go through in our lifetime. 
That sometimes when people around us panic, we've just got to remind ourselves our God controls the course of world events. Doesn't mean we won't go through hard things. I mean, followers of Jesus in the last 2,000 years have gone through famines, have gone through world wars, have gone through all kinds of things, just like Daniel does. But we know as we go through those things, our God is in control and he'll protect us. He will use us to do his work. I love it that this specific church that we're in, this congregation started in the year 1837. It's about a 180-year-old movement of Christ. And what I love about that is that this very congregation right here in Hendricks County, if you think back to the Civil War in the 1860s, there were women in this church congregation who saw their husbands and their sons go off in union uniforms to fight to end slavery in the South. And as they sent them off to do the work of God in pursuing justice, they knew it might be the end of life for their son or for their husband, but they could live knowing my God controls the course of world events. My hope is in him. People in this church trusted in God through World War I, through the Great Depression, through World War II. And no matter what we ever face in our lifetimes, in our own little worlds or in the big macro world, we live knowing our God controls the course of world events. He's the one who removes kings and sets them up. He gives wisdom to the wise. The knowledge of uh, the greatest scholars, whether it's in physics or in medical care or anywhere else, all that knowledge ultimately comes from him. Our God is bigger. And here's the big idea of Daniel 2. Live like God is bigger than the biggest problem in your world. Last week, we introduced this idea of believing that God is bigger. He can solve your biggest problems because he's bigger. Now we're graduating. We're not just going to believe that. We're going to step out and be assertive like Daniel. We're going to live like the God who's bigger than the biggest problems in the world is looking out for us and has a purpose for us and has a plan for us. I wonder in your life right now, where is God prompting you to believe this? Where is God prompting you to take this from, okay, I can check that off. God is omnipotent. He's all powerful. No, we're not just talking about some like seminary belief here. We're talking about your life. We're talking about your insecurities, your fears, your anxieties, your grief, your emotion. Where is it that God is saying right now, I need you to apply this reality of my unchanging character to the wounds in your life? And I need you to consider that even though it's hard what you're going through, and even though you don't like it, that I'm bigger and that you can trust me and that you can lean into me in your problems. Well, as the story continues, Daniel does go give Nebuchadnezzar the dream and the interpretation. In verse 27, Daniel replies this. He says, by the way, Nebuchadnezzar, I, I have right here, more or less in my hand, what you want more than anything else in the world. I have here what could save my life and save the life of all my buddies. But before I give it to you, I just want to say something. This didn't come from me. This came from the God of heaven. That's what he says. He says, there's no wise men, no, no person of any amount of education or understanding could do what you've asked. But there is a God in heaven who could. And it's the God of heaven who gave me this 
answer. And then I love this next verse, verse 27. Daniel says, by the way, Nebuchadnezzar, who would have been offended by Daniel saying, there's a God that's bigger than you. He says, not only is this God who gave me your answer, he's way bigger than you. He's more powerful than you. Talk about boldness. But then he says this, this same God is personal. The dream that you had, Nebuchadnezzar, that so bothered you, it was actually given to you from God. In other words, this all-powerful God is a personal God who speaks to you as an individual. Again, in your small groups and in your study Bible, you can go way deeper on this to say, do I believe God's all-powerful? Do I also believe he's personal? That he's gonna speak to me through his word. He's gonna speak to me when I show up for church. He's gonna be there. And Daniel says, God was actually speaking to you. And the dream he gave you reveals what's gonna happen in the future. And now I'll tell you your dream. And I'll tell you the vision that you had as you lay on your bed. Now, the dream, the dream is intense. I would encourage you to read it this week in your life application study Bible. Here's the thing. It took great discipline and restraint for me to not go into the dream. Because the dream opens this whole other category called prophecy. Uh, maybe you've heard of the book of Revelation or you've heard of the apocalypse. The word apocalypse actually comes from the Greek word for revelation, the end times. Maybe you've heard of things like the antichrist, the mark of the beast, the rapture, all that stuff. We're gonna do a series in the fall on the end times according to Daniel. Because actually theologians say that this chapter, this dream in Daniel chapter two, it's like the spinal cord or the backbone of biblical prophecy. You can't really understand the book of Revelation until you understand the book of Daniel. And you can't understand the prophecies in Daniel without understanding the dream in Daniel chapter two. So that's a whole other thing that we'll get to in the fall and it'll be fun, okay? But today in this series, we're focusing on Daniel as a person just like us who went through scary things like us and trusted God in the midst of it all. By the way, did you know Jesus quoted, Jesus lived about 600, well, Jesus lives forever, right? But he was born in Bethlehem about 600 years after Daniel. And Jesus quotes the book of Daniel three different times because Daniel actually points to the need for a Messiah. And here's where it does that in verse 44. Daniel's now gonna explain to Nebuchadnezzar, your dream is pretty much this picture that your whole empire is gonna crumble. And then there will be some other world empires after you and they'll all crumble. So this is not what Nebuchadnezzar wants to hear. And then Daniel gets to the real point of the entire Bible, really. The God of heaven will set up a kingdom that will never be destroyed or conquered. And Nebuchadnezzar, your kingdom that you think is so great, it's as temporary as a plastic fork or a paper cup. It's disposable. And every civilization that will follow, Rome, ancient Egypt, the Soviet Union, the United States, all of them are temporary. There's only one kingdom where people will never die, where murder will never happen, where lies will never be told, where justice will always be done. There's one kingdom that's coming like that. And that's why when Jesus came to earth as the Messiah, he said, I'm not here for a little temporary nation. I've come to bring about a higher kingdom. And he taught us to pray every day, our father in heaven, your kingdom come, your will be done. Jesus initiated a kingdom that we're now part of, that we will be part of for eternity. And I just love this verse. The God of heaven will set up a kingdom that will never be destroyed. Do you know that you're part of it? 
Do you know that you have citizenship in it? That's what happens. The, the moment you trust in Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins, you don't earn your salvation, but the moment that you say, God, I know I'm broken. Jesus, I believe you're God. I believe you died on the cross for me. Not only does God forgive your sin, give you eternal life, free you from shame, free you from addiction, he adopts you into his family and you become a citizen of this kingdom. This is why one of my favorite verses in the book of Hebrews, it says, since we have a kingdom that cannot be shaken, we worship God with reverence and awe. Why does all this matter? Because the world we live in will shake. People in this church lived through the Civil War, through World War II. Our world will shake at times, but we don't have to be shaken because we're part of this higher kingdom. And God says here, this kingdom will crush all the other kingdoms into nothingness. In other words, someday world history will be a distant, distant memory because the kingdom of Christ will stand forever. The king, Nebuchadnezzar, now says to Daniel, truly your God is the greatest of gods. I mean, th this is a miraculous moment, right? Nebuchadnezzar should be angry, should be like, how dare you? But he knows that was the dream I had. And that interpretation makes sense. And so Daniel, I'm convinced, not because you had a great PowerPoint presentation or some really good stories, I'm convinced because I presented you with an impossible situation. No one could have done it. Your God must be real. And there's a point for you in that. In your impossible situation, it is your greatest opportunity to experience God. So parents, when you're in a financial impossible situation, let your kids know. Let them see you working like it all depends on you, praying like it all depends on God. Let them see that God provides. Where you're facing an impossible injustice, guess what? You might be facing your greatest opportunity in life to experience God, just like Daniel did. Our most impossible situations present us these opportunities where, wow, God came through and the people around us see it and we experience it. And Nebuchadnezzar says, Daniel, your God, he truly is the God. Verse 48, he then appoints Daniel to a high position, gives him many valuable gifts, makes him ruler over the whole province of Babylon, chief over all the people whose lives he just saved. Doesn't mean Daniel's not gonna go through more hard times as we will see. But in this moment, he has a great victory because he believed in a God who's bigger. I'm not gonna unpack these, you're welcome to in your small groups, but I wanna give you three things that you will do this week if you believe that God's bigger. Three ways to move believing that God is bigger from just something you intellectually agree to to something you live out. And the first is to be assertive. Live like God's really there. You know, you've got a, a major decision to make, step forward and say, God, open the door or close the door. Be assertive like Daniel, work like it all depends on you. Do everything you can, but then pray like it all depends on God. Pray with urgency. You know, sometimes uh, in our small groups or in our relationships with other Christians, if we're not careful, prayer time can kind of deteriorate into sort of going around the circle sharing prayer requests, and it's like, oh, you know, pray for my great aunt's dog. It has an ingrown toenail, right? I'm not saying God doesn't care about your great aunt's dog's ingrown toenail, okay? He cares about everything. But here's the thing. What's actually going on in your life? 
Where do you have anxiety? Where do you have fear? Where are you excited? Where are you grieving? Where are you broken? Bring these things to God with urgency. And you can do this on your own, as Daniel did. We're gonna see in the coming weeks, Daniel, he had three times a day where he would physically kneel before God, kind of morning, noon, and night, that he was bringing God all his daily concerns. But in our text today, we saw that he prayed with friends. If you don't yet have any Christian friends to pray with you, then go to Connection Corner today. You can get into a small group. Or you could even apply what we're learning by saying, God, I'm gonna pray for some Christian friends and I'm gonna be assertive. So now when I go to church, I'm gonna introduce myself to people. I'm gonna do my part while I ask for you to do your part. And by the way, small group leaders, uh, this is a little word of encouragement to you. This is my favorite thing. When I was a journalist, I was attending a church like this and I was a small group leader. Every time I showed up to church, I was on the prowl. I'd look for anyone who was sitting by themselves and I'd say, hey, hey, can I sit next to you? I'd get to know them and I'd say, are you in a small group? Do you wanna join our small group? This is how the body of Christ, right? Where as God grows you, he wants to use you to wrap other people in. And so if you don't yet have any friends you can pray with, you can join a group today where you start introducing yourself to people, asking God to bring some friends like that in your life. It makes such a difference. I mean, for me, some of my closest friends are some of our staff here where we do this service on Saturday night and after the service, we'll talk about what went well, what didn't go well. And, and we just desperately, every Saturday night, we're calling out to God, God, there's three more services tomorrow. Would you just work with power, be preparing the hearts of the people? And it's one thing for me to pray like that on my own, but with friends, there's just something about it. You're missing out if you're not doing that. Okay, give yourself to a higher kingdom. We've already developed that, this idea that there's a higher kingdom that I'm latched onto, that I've grabbed onto, the kingdom of Christ that will never be shaken. So no matter what happens with the stock market or with global pandemics or anything else, I know that I won't be shaken because I'm living for a higher kingdom. We wanna close by telling you a story that shows you how this big, powerful God is also a deeply personal God. It's a story about my son, Jack. He's older now, but this happened when he was seven. And uh, my favorite time with Jack is bedtime. We always lay there and talk about what's going on in his life. And this one night when he was seven, he said, Dad, do you know how much I love you? I said, how much, buddy? He said, I love you so much that when I'm 42, I'm gonna have that picture of you holding me as a baby. I'm gonna have it on the wall in my bedroom. This is a, a picture in our hallway. He says, I'm, I'm gonna have it on the wall of my room when I'm 42. That's why I wrote this down, because I'm gonna hold him to it. <laughs> Later that same night, he said, Dad, fall asleep right next to me and sleep here all night. He said, I want you to be here next to me when I wake up. And in that moment, because I was going through my own difficulties in life, God allowed me to see that he wants me calling out to him like that. He wants you relating to him like that. You can fall asleep tonight knowing that God's there with you. You can wake up tomorrow and as you're brushing your teeth and the anxieties of the day and the unresolved relationships, they all start to nag at you and the things you're grieving that still aren't resolved, they all start to gnaw at you. You can say, God, I need you near me. I, just, I, I want you next to me when I fall asleep. I want you near me when I wake up. I need you with me while I go into this meeting. 
I need you to help me make this decision. And it's living like that that allows when someone shows up with a sword and they're about to kill you, you to have wisdom and discretion and know my God's bigger. Because Daniel had a way of life of seeing our God is all powerful, but he's deeply personal. He wants to walk with you this week. And the impossible thing you're facing, it's true that you can't do it. It's also true that he can. He wants to let you experience him like never before. I'm gonna pray that for you right now. Father, in this room, I just pray for every person here and watching online that we would experience you today. God, we each face impossible barriers. Many face impossible injustices. And you're lifting our eyes up above those brick walls that we're so frustrated with to see that you are bigger. You were bigger than Nebuchadnezzar. You're bigger than anything we'll face in our lifetimes. And today we choose to believe in you. Lord, would you give us faith like Daniel to believe that when we can't, you can. Lord, may that become our default, that every time we run into a brick wall, we know my God can do it. He's either gonna put a door in that wall or a window, or he's gonna lift me over it, or he wants me to go a different direction, but my God's in control. And even though it's hard, and even though it's painful, I can trust him. Lord, help us to live like you're the biggest person in the room. Help us to live like you're bigger than the biggest forces that control our lives. And Lord, help us to experience you that we would be talking to you as we fall asleep at night, that we would ask you to guide us in our decisions and help us with our emotions. Lord, you used Daniel to bring about the coming of the Messiah and you wanna use us now to bring your perfect kingdom into a very imperfect world. So make us unshakable sons and daughters of the King, even as we live in a shaking world. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.